Please enjoy this sport bloke segment from an upcoming or recent episode. Well, Nath, after 50 long years, the Milwaukee Bucks are finally back on top of the pile. A couple of weeks removed from a leg injury that looked like a 12-monther for Giannis Antetokounmpo. No kidding. But he was sensational, taking out finals MVP. Averages of 35 points, 13 rebounds and five assists while shooting nearly 62% from the field. First player with a 30-10-5 average on that sort of shooting clip. Absolutely ridiculous. And the Bucks won more games in this finals alone than they won in Giannis's entire rookie season. 16 to 15, I saw that. That's ridiculous. They were the fifth team to rally from 2-0 down and just the third to win four straight after going 2-0 down to join the 77 Blazers and the 06 Heat. 06, yeah, I remember the Heat doing that, yeah. And I have to just say something, Nath, as this series went further and further in, I just realised more and more that I didn't want either team to lose. Ah, interesting. This is the first time in the entire time that I've, I've been watching basketball. I've been watching basketball since 1991. This is the first time that I haven't had a team that I wanted to win a series. It's really funny you say that. So last week you said go Suns, I think, in our outro. Because I tipped them. Which is, yeah, which is fine. And, and I have a similar thought. So I was rooting for the Bucks, and I'm glad the Bucks won. I've basically been rooting for a Bucks Nuggets NBA Finals for like the last three years since the Spurs have lost Kawhi, basically. Yeah. But I would have been fine with the Suns winning too. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So I know exactly what you mean yeah, yeah like it's just funny you know so you look last year and look the lakers were a much better team than miami i thought they deserved to win i was happy for them to win anytime golden state was involved i was happy for them to lose and so on and so forth all the way back to the jordan bulls this year yeah i i just i didn't want the series to end i didn't want a team yeah, to lose yeah. if as much as a lot of people don't like chris paul he deserves a championship he's just been such an amazing player. It was tough. It was tough. But obviously, yeah, full credit to the Bucks. Yes, indeed. Let's start from where we left off last week, Stewie, onto game four. Game four. So this was the game we were waiting for. After games one through three didn't have a lead change, I don't even think they had a tie in the second half of any of the first three games. This was a real arm wrestle. Great game. Absolute cracker. Most of the second half, it kind of swung back and forth. Phoenix were actually up nine early in the fourth, and Jeff Van Gundy said that the Bucks looked dead in the water later in the game in commentary. Well, they did. I, I don't actually agree with that because that was at the very start of the fourth, and Connaughton hit a three straight after. So he made it six with like 11 minutes 40 left in the fourth quarter. No, I, see, I kind of agree a little bit with it purely because at that time, before Connaughton hit the three, there was a lot of ISO play. There was a lot of one-on-one stuff, a lot of not great offense. They weren't running any plays. They weren't getting any pick and rolls. There was nothing going on. It just so happened that that three from Connaughton kind of kick-started. A great final a quarter. A great final yeah, quarter. Yeah, so. it was a cracking game. And and unfortunately, I didn't get to see game six yet because it happened today and I was at work. But games four and five were absolutely spectacular. Yeah. Just what we wanted. And look, the great thing about it was, and we'll get to obviously to game five in a, in a minute, but game four was the first one that, yeah, did really come down to a couple of big plays and none bigger than that ridiculous block from Giannis on the alley-oop play. Defended both the, you know, the the picker and the roller, I guess, with, with Chris Paul coming off that screen. And to be able to make that sort of recovery and not just block a shot, but block an alley-oop. Oh, yeah, it was huge. A couple of things before that, though, if we may. So Devin Booker absolutely dominated the third. He had 18 points on seven of seven, one, the first of two consecutive 40-point games. He did, however, get into foul trouble. He got his fifth foul with just under 11 minutes left in the fourth, and he was taken out. Now, he came back in. I didn't take note of when he came back in, unfortunately. But so at, that was about five minutes later. So was that, it? That's six minutes left in the game. Okay, so at the three-minute 39 mark, they don't call his sixth oh. foul. 
on on basically a cuddle. He basically cuddled Drew Holiday on a drive. Heinous. It was heinous. And and had had the Bucks lost that game, that would have been the defining moment of the entire finals. See, this is the note I've got here. I'm kind of glad Milwaukee won this one. Oh, after a blatant foul. Oh, more than kind of glad. Could like, you, yeah. that would have been scandalous. Could you imagine the backlash? Oh, yeah. absolutely. Now, luckily, Giannis cleaned the boards and he scored the two. But it was amazing that Mike Breen, like, kind of, like, I don't remember hearing him go that crazy about a non-call before. Yeah. Like, he was going off. And then, of course, Booker hits his 40th point only moments later. So he shouldn't have even got the 40, it's got to be said. Yeah. And he actually broke a record in that game as well. He broke Rick Barry's record for the most points in your first ever postseason. So, yes, that's right. Yes, because he was kind of third on the table last week. And then he, mm-hmm. yeah, that's right. Well, that's Dr. right. Dr. J and Rick Barry. So, yeah, that was yeah. a record that had stood since 1967. Now, admittedly, played an extra five games. So, yes. he did have obviously the benefit yeah, of a yeah. lot of extra time yep. on the floor. Yeah. But, uh, and then that yeah. alley oop is at the one minute 15 mark. Yeah. And Booker was the one that threw it, funnily enough. And oh, it was, it was Booker, wasn't it? Sorry, it was, I said, it was I said a, Chris Paul before. Apologies. Oh, did you? Oh, well, that's, yeah. And it was a decent pass, it but it was great. a great block. It was a great a pass. It was a block. superhuman block, is oh, what it man. was. It was like, that was the sort of play that only Giannis could make. There is no one that has the lateral speed, the athleticism, and the timing all at the same time to make that play. Yeah, yeah, no. No it's, one. It's fair. It's not, fair. Not, not even Pete LeBron could make that play. Yeah, no, it was, it was quite you. remarkable. Quite remarkable. Now, the Bucks did their best to try and give this game away. It's got to be said. They missed on consecutive possessions down the stretch. The thing that kind of kept them alive was the way they were cleaning the glass, getting a lot of offensive boards. So there was one possession where they didn't score, but they managed to chew basically nearly 50 seconds of clock because they had two consecutive shot clocks thanks to an offensive well, rebound. Yeah. Back to Booker a little bit. He's bitching and moaning a lot. Is like, oh, sorry, it's over now. But he was bitching and moaning a lot. Like, and it was beginning to piss me off, it's got to be said. Because he he whinged on a drive to the basket late in the game where he thought he was fouled, but it was definitely not a foul. He wasn't even touched, basically. Kind of hypocritical when you hug a guy. <laughs> oh, he's constantly hugging guys. He was he hugged guys on multiple occasions in game four and five. Don't know about six because I haven't watched it yet, but he probably did that too. But he like he was the one bloke that was getting like seven or eight fouls a game, you know, and he's the one bloke that was constantly bitching and moaning. And it's it was getting a bit old, to be honest. Yeah, he and Chris Paul have not surprisingly come out and said that they are sore losers. Did they which, say that? Yeah. yeah, okay, okay. <clears throat> and I self-aware. And I completely get that because I'm a horrible loser. Like I'm I'm the sort of guy who will yeah knock over a game of Monopoly because I'm <laughs> losing. So I say nothing. I'm not a big fan at all. But no, that it's you're right. Like there's a time and a place and you're getting a lot of calls where it certainly wasn't that stage. A couple of other interesting things from that game. So the Bucks managed to hold on. There was a trap. So it was 105-101. So the game was, you know, it was only four points. There wasn't much time left, but anything can happen. And Paul and Johnson actually trapped Middleton in the, basically the right-hand baseline. And they call a foul anticipating a foul to stop the clock. They didn't actually foul. They didn't touch him. Yeah, so that was, I mean, I think, I don't think that's totally egregious because the game was pretty much over at that point, but yeah, you never know. You never know. You never know. And then the other one that was really weird. So late in the game, they showed Jarnas with a foot on the line as he did an inbounds pass. And Mark Jackson's like, wow, as if it's some scandal. Every fucking inbounds pass, a guy has a foot on the line. Why the hell are you showing it now? It's just riling up Phoenix fans unnecessarily and unfairly. So game five, absolute game for the ages. 
I have to ask you this, and we'll kind of look at this the same way as game four, where we look briefly at something that happened at the end of the game and then talk about the whole game. But yep. has Giannis's finish to this game possibly usurped DeAndre Ayton's effort for the title of Valued? Oh, wow. Good question. Because it happened in Phoenix. Yeah. Wow. Great question. Like, holy shit. Holy what, shit. What a play. Holy shit. This is like the dunk equivalent of LeBron's block on Andre Iguodala for me. Oh, it's it's huge. It was huge. Yeah. So gutsy. Like, you see it. So you, gutsy. You can see it coming. You see the build up. Yeah. But you're still not sure it's actually going to happen. And then when Hol- Drew Holiday goes to make the pass, you're thinking, yep. what are you doing? Dribble it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But then they make true greatness happen yeah. and yeah i mean what a pass what a finish what can you say oh the, the guts the balls to throw that pass and initially i thought that it was maybe a little bit off and it was just Giannis's athleticism and long arms that got the dunk but i actually realized when i re-watched it it was because bloody chris paul pushed him yeah it was a perfect pass yeah it was a flagrant foul and that's why i'm not devastated that the sun's lost because i respect the hell out of him and i think he's had a wonderful career and he's an amazing player and he'll still be an amazing player next season but he's a fucking dirty player so let, let's talk about drew holiday for a second yes so, the bounce back game so how many guys would come into a game like this shooting 33 percent from the field with their head held that high he was four of 20 the one before wasn't correct it? yeah yeah so like there's all this talk obviously his defense is what's that's his best attribute he and when, is, we've got to say we haven't talked about it enough and and that's been the really impressive i've become a fan of drew holiday this playoffs more hmm. because even when he's shooting poorly his defense is next level yeah and, next and, level and he does other things i mean he rebounds at a high level uh, i think he had double figure rebounds today nearly had a triple double like he yes does, he, yeah he, i think he was one board off a triple double yeah, he, he impacts the game in so many different ways but yeah to Obviously, to come into this game in such a pressure situation on the road as well, and then put together this phenomenal first half. I mean, he was 11 of 14 from the field at one stage. He was keeping the Bucks in the game because Giannis and Chris Middleton were very slow off the mark in game five. And he was the reason that the Suns didn't run away with it. I mean, they were they were down 16 points at quarter time. The first half was a tale of two quarters. So the Bucks had 21 on nine of 21 shooting in the first, where the Suns had 37 on 14 of 19 shooting. And then in the second, the Bucks had 43 points on the road, 17 of 24 shooting. The Suns had 24 on 10 of 28. So look, the first quarter is pretty simple. I mentioned last week it's a make or miss league. They made 11 straight shots, the Phoenix Suns, at one stage. And the 12th shot that they missed, they got the offensive rebound and scored from it anyway. So they were getting anything they wanted in offense. They were making shots. It was really, really simple. But what do you always say about early leads, Nath? Oh, they're the worst ones to have because you have the most time to chew them up. Exactly. And the second half, yeah, you mentioned 43 points. It was all about the energy from the second unit. So Bobby Portis brought this amazing energy. And it has to be said, he had one of probably the most underrated final series of all time. A couple of things on that. One, earlier in the playoffs, he wasn't even getting off the pine. And two, because I didn't get to see the game today, I tried to, I listened to as much as I could on ESPN radio while I could at work. So I heard maybe half of it. But I also tried to listen to a few podcasts as well. One of the ringer guys compared him to James Posey. Really good comparison. Great comparison. It is, isn't it? It's fantastic. Yeah. That is really great. I mean, James Posey didn't have the crazy eyes, but (laughs) but no, very. But he had some crazy games in the NBA finals. Yeah, that is is really great. It's almost like that Robert Ory. 
yeah, that, that that kind of role, hitting threes, playing defense, getting rebounds. Yep, absolutely. Doing Taking charge and stuff. Yeah. Yep. And look, Pat Connaughton made some shots as well. The Bucks. Pat were- Connaughton's had a pretty good. Uh, today he wasn't so good by the no. looks of things, but he had a pretty good final series. It's got to be said. Grabbed some key offensive rebounds, hit some massive threes. Yep. I have to say he was a deer in headlights today. But, yeah, right. But uh, no, look, fear uh, the deer. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, actually, yeah. <laughs> I didn't think about that. But uh, no, look, the Bucks. They, they kept themselves in that game. They were 9 of 17 from three in the first half on that. Yeah, so after weathering that early onslaught and having that crazy second quarter, the Bucks actually kind of had the game in control heading into the fourth. They were up 10, but it was only 10. Yeah, and as we know in this league with a three-point shot, yep. guys can make runs really quickly. And there was a 12-3 run really late in this one that kind of got the Suns back into it, gave them a shot to take the lead. And look, yeah, we, I suppose the, the players are, as a whole – Drew Holiday made a really good double down on Devin Booker as he was kind of looking for the shot or the pass with 20 seconds left. Manages to get his hands on the ball, strips it clean, and we know the rest. Obviously, one of the most amazing plays in the history of the finals. Drew Holiday also came up with a key steal at the end of game four, we didn't mention actually as well, when he crossed over to the middle and kind of lost control of it. So Holiday had some really key defensive plays. By the way, this is the guy that was traded for Bledsoe Hill, three future firsts and two pick swaps. Now, some would say the fact that Giannis even re-signed justified that trade because it kept him in Milwaukee. But we only need to look at guys like James Harden and Kyrie Irving and stuff to know that no contract lasts. No. So so although that was a king's ransom to get Drew Holiday, the yeah. proof's in the pudding. Paid off. And he was one of those guys that every trade deadline, like kind of championship teams that were on the cusp. They sniffed would, around. Yeah, yeah. it's different. And it never happened. It never happened. Finally got traded and here we go. And all those teams would be thinking, shit, if He's only we had. If yeah, only we had. Yeah. Some really fun things, though, about this game as well. So first things first, we'll do a couple of stats. Giannis, Middleton and Holiday, just the sixth trio in 50 years with at least 25 points in the same finals game, which I thought was really cool. And they padded the stat sheet because they had a lot of blocks and assists between them too. They did. The Phoenix Suns went 55% from the field and 60% from three and still lost 62% the game. 62% from three, yeah. Still lost the game. Yeah, it's incredible. Unsurprisingly, the first time in playoff history that that has occurred. Yeah. And Devin Booker's fourth 40-point game these playoffs more than LeBron James, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Michael Jordan, and Kobe Bryant combined in their first career playoff series. And first time ever, there's been a player with back-to-back 40s on a losing effort. Mm, I did see that. So there was that play really late. I think there was about a minute 45 left. Booker's given Middleton another cuddle, and the balls clearly come off Middleton's shirt, but they didn't call the foul. Do you reckon they said Bucks ball because they knew it was a foul and they couldn't call it? I, I it was actually, kind of a natural I, justice thing. I actually called Phoenix ball when it went out before they even started looking at the replays. Yeah, I, yeah. Was, I was like doing the replays. Well, it should have been Phoenix's ball, but yeah. he fouled him. He gave him another cuddle. So yeah. it was natural justice. So. You never want to hope that the umpires are doing it that way, but yeah, it's quite possible. Yeah, yeah. Now, Shui, this game has instant classic written all over it for all the reasons we've mentioned on the court. But there's all this crazy off-court stuff too. And I reckon there'd be a great 30 for 30 about actually the last two seasons, the bubble playoffs and then this season too. ESPN Classic would love to have this game for a number of reasons. So LeBron James is sitting courtside looking like a king. He's got Rich Paul there, his agent, who's dating Adele. So that was kind of an interesting thing. He's rolling in the date, basically. Yeah, exactly. And speaking of rolling, how about that guy with a roll of $100 bills Counting them out on the Giannis free throws. Like, okay, yeah, mate, you've become a meme, but 
Even if they were fake $100 bills, you were just asking to be mugged. Imagine if that guy's name was also Paul. He could be Rich Paul. The second Rich Paul. Yeah, I, I must. When he when he came onto the screen, my first thought actually was, I bet they're fakes. Yeah, but don't you still asking to be it's, mugged? It's so crazy though. Yeah. Just seeing him count them out and just look so disappointed. Oh, I better count out my thousand dollars again. Uh, I was like, Come on. But their, their, their counting was terrible. Like he's the ball's already left his hands, and the crowd is still going 11, 12, 12. 13. Yeah. Shit, man, we got to talk about game six, though. Three weeks to the day since Giannis hurt his knee and we're all thinking he's probably out for 12 months, like you said earlier. And I'll tell you what, if this is not Giannis's masterpiece, I do not know what will. Oh. 50 points, 16 of 25 from the field, remarkably 17 of 19 from the free throw line, and he hit 17 of his first 18, actually missed his last one. But he went 8 of 19 combined in games 4 and 5 from the line. So to turn that around so dramatically... And then combine that with 14 rebounds and five blocks. And there are another couple that were pretty close goaltends as well. <laughs> His third 40 and 10 for the series. Yeah. Ridic- Amazing. Ridiculous. I have to go back to a point I made last week. So I said, I think Phoenix is better off turning him into a scorer. Now, if he's going to shoot eight of 19, or even if he goes back to his season free throw average and goes 13 of 19, that probably works. But when he's shooting that sort of percentage from the line... Well, it goes back to what I said last week. He's got to play... He's got to get as many shots close to the rim as possible and basically be a centre. Hmm. Yeah. But be unstoppable. But that's the thing. Like, if he's shooting your free throws that well and you can't foul him... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Then you have to uh, you have to flip the script and turn him into a distributor. Oh, absolutely. Drew Holiday was back to his old self, 4 of 19. Pat Connaughton, as I said, looked like a deer in headlights, 0 of 4. PJ Tucker played 36 minutes and took, took one shot. Yeah. So Middleton wasn't that great looking at the box score, but he made some key shots late. Okay, but yeah, okay. but I mean the thing is, you make someone else beat you. Double down on Giannis and say, right, if we're sticking with single coverage, he's just going to get a run downhill at the rim. He's spinning into layups. He's getting fouled. He's making his foul shots, or he's just dunking on your head. Yeah, you're not going to win a game doing that. Like the Bucks were scoring at will, and I, and most of that obviously was Giannis, but. Like Phoenix could not string together stops, and as a result, they couldn't get back into the game. It's it, by the looks of it. Again, I didn't see it, and I've well, I heard I heard some of the call on the radio. They had a pretty much no shows from Aiton Johnson. Yep, Booker wasn't spectacular. Yeah, they, these are all no campaign. Kind of went okay by the looks of they, things. They didn't play him enough. Yeah, right. He was getting any look that he wanted. He was getting brilliant looks out of the pick and roll. I mean, he. Admittedly, he's looking to score a lot more out of it than Chris Paul. Paul's happy to take his shots when they're on, but he'll pass up. But yeah, obviously, campaign's a little bit more uh, shot first. But yeah, yep. but yeah, you're right. Like they got nothing from Cam Johnson. Uh, Mikel Bridges did nothing. Oh, Bridges was the other one. Yeah. Yep. Jay Crowder rebounded the living shit out of the ball. He had 13 boards, but he couldn't make a shot. Booker, yeah, he said he had no rhythm all night. These are all guys that usually provide that huge spark. DeAndre Ayton was, yeah, absolutely MIA. Couldn't get anything working out of the pick and roll. Six rebounds for the game, which is down massively. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He Um, picked a bad time to have a bad game. They actually got more out of Frank Kaminsky when he was on the floor. Yeah, well, I saw he played more minutes tonight. But this goes back to what I said last week. The Sarich injury was big. Massive. It's a big guy. You know, he's no slouch. Okay, he's not an all-star, but you can get some good minutes out of him. I don't think that injury got enough credit. No, I really wasn't don't. discussed enough. Not, not credit, but, you know, I don't think yeah, it was discussed. Yeah, 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 right, yeah. Right. enough coverage. So, yeah, I mean, Chris, even Chris Paul, like, he was passive early. He he played brilliant late. He was basically just, yeah, using the pick, but instead of giving it up to Aiton, who went 4 of 12, 
he just got to the free throw line and was just hitting. He should have just every play, run a pick and roll, get me to the free throw line. If I make 60, 70% of those, we're going to win the game. And they just didn't go to it enough, yeah. basically. So, but yeah, the Bucks win it in six. I actually didn't realize the uh, the Bucks in six chant was paying homage to Brandon Jennings. Brandon Jennings. Yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah. realize that. Yeah, that's got to be the coverage the last few that days. That ridiculous chant, uh, yeah, from when they were down 2 0 to the, the Heatles in 2012 13. And I think it's amazing for the league that you had two small market teams playing off against each other. Absolutely. And they put on such a great show. So. Absolutely. And by the way, James Harden, if you're listening, you can actually stay at a team and you can still win. So, Shui, I know we said that we'd look at the NBL free agency, but we're just running out of time. So maybe we'll push that back. Hopefully next week we won't make any promises. Look, we think we'll be able to do a proper rundown next week if we actually give it the time that it should have. So, A couple of things quickly. So you mentioned that Beal has had to leave. He's been replaced by Kildon Johnson, who was on the USA Select team. He was impressive, actually, in the, the limited time that he got on the court. I really like Kildon Johnson, yeah. Yeah, he's got a lot of alpha about him. Yeah, mm. yeah. But he's he's also gritty. He plays defense. He He's the sort of guy that will do what the team needs. Big, solid body. Oh, yeah, yeah. Decent yeah. jump shot on him as yeah. well. So, and yeah. Kentucky pedigree, too. And the other one is JaVale McGee, who joins the team for Kevin Love. What do you reckon? It's it kind of the first time you see it, you think, oh, that's a real unusual choice, but he makes perfect sense. It's a great choice. He makes perfect sense. He's exactly what they needed. Yeah. I don't need the ball. If you throw me the odd lob here and there, I'm going to dunk on anyone who's near me. I can rebound. I'll block shots. Yes. All they need is a rim protector and a rebounder, basically, and a dunker. And teams will foul him out in probably 10 minutes. Well, he'll do his job. <laughs> no, he he, he should have. They needed a guy like him in the squad in the first place. Yeah. And Kevin Love is not that sort of player. And of course, in FIBA rules, you can tip it off the rim. So, yeah. He's a useful guy. He will be awesome. Speaking of FIBA rules, did you hear Brian Windhorst, what he said about FIBA rules? No. So on the Ball and Real World podcast, he said, and I quote, really the rules are created to make it tougher on the Americans, quite frankly. Although nowadays it's not just the Americans, it's the NBA players. Hmm. So when I first heard that, I thought, jeez. Then when I heard it in context, he did kind of clarify by saying it's also the NBA players. But dude, do you know what it is? Americans are used to hero ball and everyone else is used to team ball. But it's also that simple. The other way to look at it as well is though, the Americans are the only ones that use Fahrenheit. The rest (laughs) of the world uses Celsius. Yeah, metric system. And the metric system. Yep. They're the only league in the world that doesn't allow you to dunk a ball that's already inside the cylinder, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, maybe it's not us, it's you. Kind of goes back to the open comments that I made at the top. Absolutely, it does. Uh, But it's. Not a bad thing if guys need more than just a little bit of breath on them to go to the foul line. Yeah. I mean, that is one of the things that shits me about the NBA. The Opals had a win over Team USA without Liz Cambage. That was impressive, wasn't it? Yeah, look, I'll admit I actually didn't get to see that one, but I did read the recap on it. Magbagua had an absolute cracker from what I read. Yeah, it was a really interesting one. So Steph Talbot went bang with a three straight away, and we're thinking, oh, yeah, we're on here. But... The Yankees actually got out to a 16-point lead, so it was really impressive that Australia never got rattled. They pegged it back. The 70-67 to victory was Australia's first win over the Americans since 2010, so it's been quite some time. But you're absolutely right. Magbiga was was very, very good. And I think she probably becomes the key to us winning the she game. She is medal. huge. Very important. Very important. Now, Shui, there was a weird thing in the coverage. So there was this bloody interview with Lisa Leslie, 
Did we need minutes? And when I say minutes, I mean literally minutes, like not just cutting in at the end of an air break with one little, you know, the end of a question. She literally spoke for minutes while the screen shrunk and we had to look at her interview while the bloody game was going on and it was a close game. And she was talking about really important things like the red uniforms. What the hell? How is that important? Yeah. Okay, Lisa Leslie, she's a legend of the game. Yeah, but, like, for Christ's sake, talk to her in a timeout. I mean, Bill Walton's a legend of the game, but you don't want to hear him yeah. rambling on for half an hour about sticks and carrots and <laughs> other random things because he's losing his mind. Like, I do love Bill. What do you think of the ESPN halftime show in the NBA finals? Oh, the playoffs, indeed. Do you know, I have to admit, I actually would fast forward through that. I, I did too. I didn't watch it because most of the time I was up against time constraints anyway. But, yeah, yeah. But true, uh, true. yeah, for me, it was all about the action on the court. I, I wasn't really that fussed about any of their analysis. I like them all as individuals, but as a group, it just didn't seem to gel for mm. me. The only halftime show I watched in full was in, I think it was the conference semifinals at Phoenix. And that was because Alice Cooper was playing in the background and I was <laughs> listening to him sing Schools Out. <laughs> An interesting connection, by the way. Alice Cooper, of course, does that funny little spiel about Milwaukee on one of the Wayne's World movies. Oh. So he has that connection because I think he's got a restaurant in Phoenix or something. Anyway, one of the underrated rock artists of all time. Thanks for listening to this Sport Bloke segment. Why not listen to the full episode and check out their Twitter at Sportbox. Mm-hmm.